Hey there, welcome to the Kitchen Sink Podcast. I'm Camille, and this is the podcast for women that want to create a dream kitchen without stress and costing a fortune. If you like no fluff, tell it like it is remodeling advice from a cabinet maker with over 30 years experience, then you are in the right place. I am so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Should I get a white kitchen? Should that be my next new kitchen, right? Should I pick white? Um, That is an extremely common question that I hear all the time. So this whole episode is dedicated to how do you pick your finish, right? How do you pick the color of your cabinets, the new color, the new finish? So I'm going to be kind of walking you through my viewpoint on white kitchen cabinets, which of course I have myself, how to take care of them. Uh, what I think works the best, uh, you know, what you need to know about the different finish techniques. So that's what this whole episode is about. And, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited to dive into this because, you know, whether you're doing a really bright white or, or a really cool white or a really creamy white, like white is still like on trend. White is still in style. I've been asked for literally 30 years, is white still, you know, um, is white just like a trending color? And I'm like, no, white is not a trending color. Women absolutely love white. You will never go wrong (laughs) if you do white cabinets in a kitchen, uh, whether that's a rental property, whether that's your own property for resale, like women will always be drawn to lighter colors. And, you know, I have thousands of kitchens to, to, basically prove that point, right? So don't worry about the color of the white itself. It's more of like, how do you make sure that that white finish is going to last the longest? And so I'm going to go over a few points. I'm going to go over cleaning. I'm going to go over a touch up and, um, yeah. And so I'm, I'm really excited to jump into this. So first of all, I want to, I want to talk about like one very specific thing that is, you know, unless you were in the business, you wouldn't really know this, right? So it's kind of like a little insider thing that, um, I thought might be helpful for those of you women that are planning a kitchen right now or dreaming about it, right? It's like way off in the future. It feels like it's never going to happen. Um, I wanted to talk about the fact that most of the stuff that you guys are looking at are pre-finished cabinets. And so this is, you know, if you're a professional, if you're in the industry, you, you, and if you do any high-end jobs, you would know this, but not even some regular contractors, right? That don't do high-end work. They don't even know this. So basically what I want to talk about is the fact that a lot of the pictures that you guys are looking at on Pinterest, Instagram, house, YouTube, HGTV, so many of these kitchens are not pre-finished. They are very luxury, high-end kitchens. And in high-end kitchens, it is extremely common that we would install those cabinets and doors unfinished. And I know everybody's like, what? You'd put those in unfinished? Yes. If it's a very expensive house, a million-dollar house, $2 million house, $10 million house, it would be very unusual for those cabinets to go in pre-finished. And so when you're looking at those pictures and they look literally perfect, I mean, literally perfect, you cannot see a nail hole. You can't see it. anything in the corners of the crumb molding. Like they look almost made up. They're so perfect. One of the reasons for that is because those jobs are very expensive houses. 
and the cabinet job goes in unfinished. And then a professional painter, cabinet maker, that's all that he or she does is spray or paint those cabinets in place. Now, what that means is that let's say you put in your upper cabinets and then you install unfinished crown molding and you fill every single hole and you sand off the little bit of of wood filler you put in. And if the wood filler doesn't quite fill that hole, you just go back. It doesn't matter. The next day you put more wood filler in and you sand it off perfectly. So you cannot even tell there was wood filler there. All your outside corners, your crown molding, your baseboard, like literally weeks and weeks and weeks and months sometime, months of the jobs that you guys are looking at of a lot of these large influencers you're following, what you don't see behind the scenes, uh, which is why I, I think HGTV is kind of a crock of S because it's so much of it is so made up. What you don't see behind the scenes are teams of people who are there for weeks and months, literally going over every single piece of that molding everything with a fine tooth comb and any little crack or joint gets filled. And all of that happens before the painter gets there. So when the painter gets there, he or she is literally just painting or spraying a perfect palette, right? And so that is not the typical situation of most kitchen remodels, okay? You guys are all putting in pre-finished cabinetry. So just understanding that that right there is a kind of a mind, like it's like a what, <laughs> right? So just understand that how much more perfect you can make things when you're not, you don't care if the finish is even visible because all you're caring about is filling holes and cracks and joints. So they're completely in, indistinguishable. And then the painter is going to come and either hand paint or spray those cabinets in place and spray all the doors in place, right? I mean, like in the garage or in some place, in some part of the house that's not um, occupied yet, because these houses are being worked on for months, if not years, right? If not years. And so they can do things extremely well, okay? And then they install all the doors and they adjust everything perfectly. And there's tons and tons and tons of back and forth. That's the things that you guys don't really see, right? So it's when you're trying to replicate that in your own regular house and use pre-finished materials, it takes a real skill and art to do that without those things being noticeable, without cut saws, uh, cut joints being visible, joints being visible, nail holes being visible, caulking lines being visible, right? So just understanding that, that when you're working with pre-finished materials, you really need someone who can help you understand how to prepare for that so that you get that, you get as invisible a look as you can. Um, and the people that, like me, that spend a lot of time on that because I'm a finisher, I really pre-think a lot of that, right, with my clients. People that don't do that, when they nail up their crown molding, they do huge nails. They do a bunch of nail holes all over the molding. They do hammer marks. They're not very good with their caulking lines. You know, it's very visible how that job was installed. So the reason I'm bringing this up is because this is a very important part of installation. When you're choosing somebody to make your cabinets, when you're choosing somebody to install your cabinets, how they are actually made and installed it directly ties to how perfect it looks when it's installed, right? Because if you're comparing 
uh, a pre-finished job that was finished, pre-finished in another shop and then installed, that person has to be very careful, very, very delicate to make it look perfect. Whereas a job that was unfinished and installed, and then a painter spent three months painting that kitchen, of course, you're not going to see any nail holes, any joints. I mean, it is going to literally look like it was born in that space, right? So I wanted to sort of start the podcast episode with that because not very many people actually understand that. They're they're looking at jobs that were that were unfinished when they were installed and then finished in place. So that uh, is kind of, I just want to give you guys that little insider like information. So it might help with your expectations. It might help with you when you're really thinking about your job, right? That how careful you are with the installation is really important. Um, one of the most important pieces of this is like the color of the cabinets themselves. So for instance, light grays, any kind of white, um, even light tans, right? When you're installing those, it's very easy to cover up nail holes. It's very easy to cover up, um, you know, caulking lines with a little bit of touch up paint, you know, those colors lend themselves to wood filler. They lend themselves to white caulking, light gray caulking and paint, right? Touch up paint. But if you're doing a black kitchen, okay, like I have a, uh, some people that ordered some black cabinets for me. So I, they don't know, but I know that installing those cabinets is going to take another level of delicacy because we only have white caulking. We only have, we do have some black uh, wood filler, but it's not a black, black, right? It's not black like the pre-finished. So being very careful with the moldings, being very careful with unwrapping stuff and not to dent it, not to get it uh, chips on it on edges, right? It just takes another level of delicacy. So and that's because we're working with pre-finished material. Uh, I can't just go and respray stuff and make it look like it matches, right? So that hopefully will be a little bit mind blowing to you guys. Maybe, maybe not. Um, okay, so let's talk. Let's talk finishes. Okay, so I'm. Uh, there are literally uh, so many ways to spray cabinets, finish cabinets. So I'm just going to talk about probably the three that are the most common. Okay, because I could be talking for four hours about finishes. But I want to cover what we do and why we do it and why I think it's superior. I want to cover what I see a lot of other people doing, why I don't think it's a good idea, and then kind of that like middle road, right? So that you might find when you're out there shopping for cabinets with a cabinet maker, you have some sense of what they might say to you as they're finished. So the first thing is that all finishes are not the same, not even close, right? So if you think all cabinets are sprayed the same, all cabinets are finished the same, it could not be further from the truth. Just like you might have a, um, you know, what's a good example? Like a guy that comes and details your car, right? On a Saturday, you might have a guy that you got from a buddy and you pay that guy a hundred dollars or $75 or wherever you live, $150. Uh, if it's in California, $300. And he spends two hours on it and it looks, you know, it looks decent, right? It's okay. It's okay. And like two or three days later goes by and you're like, wow, like I can see like the marks from the sponge and I can see, oh, there's like a whole bunch of dirt here. He never even came close to getting in. Oh, he didn't wipe out these things. And oh, there's sand over here. And like you start to see the issues, right? And then you might have a different person who's maybe, you know, $225, $250, $350, whatever. And he spends four hours and you're just like, 
wow, right? And a week goes by and two weeks go by, goes by and three weeks goes by and your car still looks amazing, right? Like there is a range of cabinet makers, of finishers, just like there is for everything else in life. A good dentist, a not so great dentist, a kind of a crabby doctor, a fantastic doctor. It's the same with cabinetry, okay? So depending on the personality of the person, the skill level of the person, where they live in the country, the materials that are available to them, whether they're motivated, whether they really care about their job, uh, whether they got one training 40 years ago and they're still doing the same thing, whether they don't spend any time on learning new techniques, uh, whether they use the same spray gun over and over and over again for 10 years. Like there are so many variables that go into dictating the quality of the finish. Okay. And so that's not to scare you. That's just to get you to understand it truly depends on the personality of the person who's actually spraying your cabinets. Okay. So that is a variable that you have to think about. Okay. So if you're going for the cheapest quote and your quote is, you know, you have a cabinet maker local to you and one guy is like 15,300 and the other guy is like 9,200 and you're like, oh, I'm definitely going with the 9,200 guy. I guarantee you one of the biggest pieces of that puzzle is the finish and that the guy that's probably $9,000 guy is going to do a very low end finish. He's not very sophisticated with understanding what's at stake. He's going to use cheap materials and he's going to rush the job and he's going to not take a lot of time and attention. And, um, you know, you think that you've saved a bunch of money, but the reality is that six months or a year later, that finish might start peeling off that finish is not waterproof. Uh, it's uneven, like just so many things can happen, right? So the finish is what you literally look at every single day. It's what you touch. Uh, it's what your kids touch. It's what water touches. It's what grape juice and orange juice and coffee touches. It is the protection for the cabinets. So the finish and how it's done is incredibly important. Okay. So, um, so I'm going to talk about three finishes that you will probably come across. The first one, and this does relate back to, should I get a white kitchen? Because a lot of women uh, are nervous about getting a white kitchen because they think it's going to show a lot of stuff, right? It's going to be hard to clean. It's going to be hard to upkeep. It's going to be hard to touch up. So I've heard this, you know, many, many times over. Um, and, And that's just, it's really a fallacy because if you have a good finish on your cabinets, it should be very easy to clean and you should have minimal touch up. And, um, that also comes back to, you know, if you're, if your handles are large enough that you're not actually touching your cabinets, if you have true soft closing drawers with adequate sized handles, you should not be touching your cabinet doors or drawers. You truly should not be touching the wood. Like that's the goal, right? Imagine if, you know, just imagine if you walked up to your car every day and every day you went to go get into your driver's side car, you had peanut butter on your hands or wine or grape jelly, and you just reached out and grabbed your door, your car door, and it had this little tiny handle on it, right? This little tiny three inch handle on it or a four inch handle on it, right? Every single day you'd be getting jelly and peanut butter and orange juice and wine and all kinds of stuff all over your door of your car. And eventually that's going to eat into the finish, right? Eventually it will. It does with everything. So there isn't anything that that will not eventually get through. That's the reality. 
Um, what we're trying to do is prevent that from happening in the first place. Okay. So adequate handle size, adequate drawer size so that you're not having to, uh, you're not cramming stuff into stuff, right? So there's adequate space to get stuff in and out. will make it much more likely that you're not touching the actual drawer front and a basic understanding of the high traffic areas, knowing how to clean those very easily, you know, once a week, every couple weeks, uh, your cabinet should last forever if it has a good finish. Okay. Um, okay. So back to the three finishes that I'm just going to talk about. One is a painted finish. Number two is lacquer. And number three is conversion varnish. So I'm going to talk about some basics of the three of these and why, why there's a big range of them. And again, it is 2022. So finishes have changed a lot in the last five years, 10 years, you know, 20 years since I started. When I started originally, there was basically a painted finish and a lacquer finish. So I'll start there because a lot of the parts of the country still do that, right? They don't have necessarily the finishes that I'm using in California. And, um, and that's just the reality, right? If you live in a rural country, uh, sorry, rural, rural country, a rural part of the country, your, your person that's finishing your cabinets may not, you know, you may just not have the same level of materials that I'm getting here, right? Where I'm at in California. So we have to, that's just, we have to be honest about that and real about that, right? Realistic about that. So most people are either going to do a painted finish or a lacquer finish. And so painted can be both oil-based and water-based. Um, in California, we've had so much regulation because of the environment that it's very difficult to get the kinds of paints that we used to get 10 years ago, five years ago, right? So we have high regulation for the environment, um, which is can be a little frustrating because some of the stuff from 20 years ago was incredibly hard and durable, but it was very toxic. <laughs> so, you know, the upside is that you don't want that in your kitchen with your children around, right? We know a lot more about those finishes and how carcinogenic they are. Um, they create a lot of, of inflammation diseases in the body. So, you know, there's, there's upsides to that, right? We don't want that producing gases in your kitchen that you don't know about. Um, okay. So back to painted finishes, both oil-based and water-based. Um, an oil-based finish is going to typically be a harder finish and much more waterproof typically, but much more difficult to touch up because it's oil-based, right? So, um, nowadays you can spray an oil-based finish, but it used to be mostly hand-painted and depending on the skill of the person, that's what would dictate how smooth the finish was, right? Nowadays, they make sort of hybrid products that can be sprayed. So I would, I would never do a hand-painted kitchen. I would always do a sprayed kitchen so that you get that really smooth, beautiful feel, right? Um, but you also have pretty high-end water-based products now because of the environment that can be sprayed that are paint that are quite durable as well. So there's like a range of things within paint. But it used to be that a painted finish was not not really waterproof is what I would say. Um, but it was easy to touch up, right? It was easy to touch up. Nowadays, um, a painted finish, I would say that if I was interviewing a cabinet maker, I would ask them what they're using for their paint, uh, painted finish. And I would have that person explain to me how that finish ends up being waterproof when it's cured. Okay. Um, if it's not truly waterproof, meaning the chemical reaction in the paint doesn't create a true, chemical bond that makes it waterproof, then you don't really want a painted finish. And I know why people use them and I know why people are suggested to use them, 
for cabinet shops is because they'll say, well, if you want to do touch-ups, it's easier if it's a painted finish. Uh, I disagree with that because the reality is if your cabinets are being sprayed, which 99% of them will be, if you touch up with a little teeny paintbrush, you're still going to see the touch up, right? It's not going to be smooth. It's not going to blend in perfectly. So it's the same as if you did that on a, on a lacquer finish. There's no difference. Okay. Um, so you're going to still see the touch ups and unless you respray the entire door, you're going to see it. It might be very small, like on an edge or something. But when people, when I hear cabinet makers say, oh, if it's a painted finish, you can touch up your cabinets and not see it. I'm like, no, that's not actually true. It's, it's, a, it's, 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 it's misleading, right? Because when you touch it up, the little touch up part is higher. It's thicker, right? It's not sprayed on. So you're still going to see it. Okay. Um, and I know that's kind of a small point, but I just want to make sure that people understand that just because it's painted finish does not mean that that makes it easier for touch up even though in the industry that is a very commonly uh, told reason why painters do that. Okay, so then there's lacquers. Okay, lacquers are typically can be both clear and opaque. So you could have a sprayed lacquer kitchen, meaning a white kitchen that's a lacquer. And there's a range of lacquers um, on the market from, you know, you can go down and buy Mac lac, which is the least expensive, cheapest lacquer you can get at Ace Hardware or, or, or Lowe's or Home Depot. And that might be $19 a can, $25 a can, $30 a can, depending on where you're located, all the way up to maybe, you know, $75 a can. But there's a range of lacquers. And the most important part of this is pre-cat lacquers, pre-conversion lacquers. So what you have to be very careful about is some of the lo- lower end shops, lower end cabinet shops, are still using, because we used it for many, many years, pre-cat lacquers. It'll literally say it on the can, pre-cat, pre-cat, cat, um, catalyzed. What that means is that the lacquer itself, even though it dries, whether that's clear over some sort of a stain or an opaque lacquer, white, when it dries, it'll feel dry to the touch, right? It'll absolutely feel dry to the touch. It'll technically be dry, but it's not chemically catalyzed. And this is a really important part to understand. What that means is that chemically, if you pour acetone on that, um, fingernail polish remover on that, right, it will it will chemically open up the the molecules again. So, if you have a painted white door and it's painted with uh, a sprayed, sorry, a sprayed white door with pre-cat lacquer, a white pre-cat lacquer, and let's just say that you're your daughter does something with a crayon or a Sharpie, and then you go and get a cotton ball and you try to use acetone on that to to take off the, the Sharpie or the crayon, it will eat into the finish of the white, right? It will literally burn right into the white finish, okay? Because it's not chemically cured. It's dry, it's dry, but it's not, it never cures. It's what we call an open compound. It's still open to another chemical reaction, So um, that, for probably the last 40 years, has been the most common lacquer that's been used, pre-catalyzed, meaning it's not converted. It's still pre, it's in a pre-state. And so you just have to be very careful with understanding what the person is that's spraying your cabinets. If they're using pre-cat lacquer, um, it never truly hardens, right? It's hardened to the touch. It's hardened to water, but it's not chemically hardened. It's not cured. 
So uh, I still find a lot of shops in 2022 using pre-cat lacquer. If I go down tomorrow morning and I walk into Ace Hardware at seven o'clock in the morning, I guarantee you I will see a bunch of local cabinet makers, handyman who are running little cabinet shops, right? Walk into Ace Hardware and order white pre-cat lacquer to spray a kitchen, <laughs> okay? Every single day of the week. So, um, you know, I for me, it's too risky to do because I don't want to have a customer try to get something off of there and, and you know, unwitt- unwittingly basically melt the finish off, okay? Uh, it's also not very... Um, very thick and it's also not very waterproof. So um, that's why I would never use a pre-cat lacquer on kitchen cabinets. Okay. Now there is catalyzed lacquer, which is, um, you know, you were, it's chemically changed, um, but it's chemically changed inside the can. So it's still, it's about 20% better than the first version. Okay. I know that I am getting to my point. So the third version, the third type is called conversion varnish. Okay. So conversion varnish is a catalyzed product. And what that means is that it is um, thicker, more waterproof, and it is chemically cured once it dries. So um, we call it cross-linking. I'll put some, I'll put some notes in the show notes called cross-linking. And what that means is that when I, and so my can of, of conversion varnish is $160 a gallon. So that's what we're spraying our cabinets with. So you can see the range of price and the range of quality. So what that means is that when I go to spray a cabinet, let's say I'm going to do sage green, I get it tinted to match a paint color. It is conversion varnish. And um, right before I'm about to spray, I take that conversion varnish and I mix in a catalyst. It's a special acid that comes with that gallon of conversion varnish. I mix a certain predetermined amount. I pour it into the amount that I'm spraying. I mix it up and then I spray. And I have about a day, maybe a day and a half to spray what I just mixed, whether that's a pint, two pints or three pints. I have a certain open time. I have a certain amount of time to spray that before it's completely dry, right? So once I spray it, it might dry overnight and I might still be able to use what's inside of my, my can, right? My actual spray gun, but eventually all of it's going to harden and it's going to chemically harden to the point where it's cross-linked. Okay. Chemically inside the molecules, that acid has triggered something inside of that conversion varnish and it's no longer open, meaning chemically it can no longer be opened, which means I can take acetone and I can wipe that finish and I can pull off Sharpie, crayon, pencil marks, uh, just about anything that's on the surface and it will not melt the original surface. So this is a really, really important part. And this is why I only use conversion varnish because it is cross-linked. When it is dry to the touch, it is also chemically dry, meaning it can no longer be open molecularly. And that allows me a huge range of cleaning abilities because I can tell my clients that if they get Sharpie on their cabinets, they can use acetone, pure acetone, and just wipe off that Sharpie mark, right? And it will not melt the original finish. So for me, that's why I use conversion varnish or some sort of catalyzed product because I want that cross-linking. I want that chemical cured thing that's going to happen. Um, 
Okay, so I'm hoping that wasn't too much to under, to to t- sort of take in. You might have to listen to this a couple of times, but those are the three that are the most common out there. But the bigger issue is just before you buy cabinets, spend some time, ask the person about their finish. Don't just ask them how they're spraying it. Don't just ask them what they're using. You know, ask them to explain why they're using that finish. Why is it better than what else is on the market? What what feedback have they gotten? What can you do to the cabinets and still clean them? Can you put Sharpie on them, crayon, you know, pencil marks and, and be able to get it off, right? And if they don't know the answer to that, they don't know their finish very well. So then I might actually ask them to make me a test sample and then I'm going to use those things on my test sample. Uh, that's how I personally would do it. I wouldn't just take their word for it if they could not specifically tell me what could be done to it. I would just ask for a sample before I pay for those cabinets. So I hope that's helpful. Um, so let's talk a tiny bit about touch up and cleaning. So what would you do on a conversion varnish finish? Well, for me, the highest traffic areas, assuming you have large enough handles, large enough drawer poles, and the customer understands they really should not be touching the cabinets at all, unless they like, there's no reason to touch the cabinets, right? So the top of the garbage can door is going to get a lot of food dripped on it because it's being used multiple times a day. If you have plates in your drawers, the top of that might get a little bit of nicks and dings if you don't lift your plates up and out. Um, Your pots and pan drawers, if you don't, again, if the drawers aren't adequately sized so that you can easily lift your pots and pans out, you might get little dings on the back of the drawer front. Uh, Your uppers that you use the most, like if you have a a cereal, you know, where you put your cereal bowls or maybe where you put your, your juice cups. There's generally like one upper door that gets used the most where your fingers tend to touch it a lot. And, um, but that's cleanable with just warm soap and water. You shouldn't need to do any touch up with paint. So these other areas, maybe a spice drawer, right? If you have a top spice drawer, you're pulling spices in and out. I would just have a small little gallon, uh, sorry, gallon, the tiniest little bit of paint that matches your color. So for me, I use diamond white in my kitchen. I have a very tiny little mixed pot of diamond white paint. And if I get a little nick, I just use a very tiny makeup brush and I just barely paint just the chip, just the scratch. That's it. I don't paint all over the place, right? Because that'll be too noticeable. I paint just the part that I can see. So that's how you would do a touch up. Um, for us, if you ding or nick or scratch an actual drawer front, we make you a new one, right? We can make you a new one. So you can order anything through us again. Um, as far as cleaning, this is one of the most important things to know about cabinets is never wipe your cabinets first. Okay. Always have a small, uh, brush, little paint brush. And once a month, you just take that little tiny, you know, one inch paint brush. I use like, it's called a chip brush. And you're going to dust out all the drawer front, all the bottoms of your doors. Okay. You're going to dust the, you're going to swipe the dust out first. And the reason for that is that most of what you find on your cabinets is hair from humans and animals, skin cells, I hate to say from humans and animals, um, toast crumbs, just general dust in the air, right? Most of what's settling on your cabinets is not wet. Okay. So what you don't want to do is take a sponge and then wipe with moisture into all that dust because you're just going to create a slurry, like a little brown, 
mud mixture that you're then pushing into all the grooves of your cabinets, right? And if you do that over and over and over again, you get those dark, grimy lines in your cabinet doors. So the simplest thing to do is always dust, gently dust out just that little groove first. Then you go back with a soft, warm, you know, just a soft, warm sponge with maybe a little bit of Dawn in it. It should not need very much. On our cabinets, it needs very little. And you're just going to soften the orange juice or wine or whatever it is, and you're just going to wipe it off and then dry it with a soft towel. That's literally all you should be doing with conversion varnish. Uh, I would never oil cabinets because then you can't repair them. I would never spray any polishes on them because then you can't repair them, right? Because now there's an oil on the finish. So it's it's a very simple thing to um, clean our cabinetry, right? But for anybody, I would always dust first from top to bottom. So start at the top and just gently dust, gently dust, gently dust. Sometimes a vacuum will do it, but I find my little duster gets in the crack better than my vacuum. Then I go back and I wipe stuff because I'm not wiping mud into those grooves. So I hope that that was helpful. Hopefully it wasn't too much. Just remember that if you're going to use a lacquer or a conversion varnish, you want to make sure it's a catalyzed version, a chemically cured version, so that you can uh, clean off pen, ink, Sharpie, crayon with acetone. Um, And if not, you want to ask your finisher, finished person to explain why not. Like, what are they using? Why is, why is what they're using better, right? You really want to know ahead of time. Don't wait to find out later, um, you know, what you're going to get. All right. All right, ladies, uh, we will talk soon. And again, don't forget to sign up for the ugly kitchen challenge. All you have to do is simply go to, you know, go to Google, go to Facebook and search ugly kitchen challenge request to join the group for free. I'll let you into the group. And in roughly two weeks, we're going to, um, I'll send you guys all the link and we'll host our two day training inside of there. Really looking forward to meeting all you new ladies and, uh, we will talk soon. Great kitchen design and incredible functionality should not cost an arm and a leg. That's why I created kitchen remodel rockstar, a membership group exclusive for women It's affordable, honest, and direct. For just $97 a month, we help you explore all those choices running around in your head, like how big is a granite slab and which color should I pick? Is porcelain better than stainless steel? And what will it cost? Should I buy a farmhouse sink in single or double bowl? Or maybe what type of cabinets should I buy? Should I buy custom? Should I do a reface? I'm really lost, right? And finally, how do I even figure out the ideal cabinet layout? Well, that and so much more is what we cover inside of KRR. It's like kitchen therapy, because let's face it, planning a kitchen remodel is stressful. So many decisions to make, it's hard to know who to trust. And that's where I come in. Look, my program has helped over 10,000 women across the country create their own kitchen system that blends high-end functionality with gorgeous design without overdrafting your checking account. So jump on in today and let's see how we can help you get your dream kitchen for less stress and money. Just like Jessica, quote, I can't believe how much I learned already. This was worth the cost and it's been two days. I am so excited to start exploring countertop options now. My anxiety is completely gone. Thank you, thank you for this group. So hey, I really wanna add your story one day and I hope you join because this is a safe and affordable place for women just like you 
to explore what they want to create in their dream kitchen and get straightforward answers in real time. Just think, for $97, there's no more waiting or wondering if you're making the right decision. Now you will feel confident in every single choice and know that you have created the best dream kitchen you can for you. I hope to see you inside the club today. Go over to krr.com to sign up. That's kitchenremodelrockstar.com today. Today.